On today's show, the Bucks extend their new winning streak and they do it with Brooke Lopez falling one block shy of a triple-double. We have to talk about Brooke Lopez and this incredible performance tonight. Uh, that's the positive. Uh, perhaps the concerning part was the Bucks nearly did blow this game against the Nets against uh, a G League team and one superstar, Patty Mills. But we're going to break down everything that went down between the Bucks and the Nets. Let's get started. Backs him down. Find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's show that is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started and get started with the defensive player of the year odds as well. We might touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day. We appreciate the support. We appreciate uh, uh, you guys uh, really seemingly enjoying listening to me and Frank talk about this Milwaukee Bucks basketball team on a daily basis. But drop a like, a comment, subscribe, follow, all that kind of stuff. It's free to do, and it really does help us, and we absolutely appreciate the interaction and the, the thoughts and comments about this Milwaukee Bucks team, Frank, that are now... 30 games over 500. They've won 19 of their last 20. And look, we know and we understand that at some point down the stretch here, the Bucks are going to lose a game that's annoying. They're going to lose a game that you probably think that they should take. But given that they've no. been starting, but given no. that they're starting to extend the gap at the top of the standings and they've had a bit of luck with the Boston Celtics dropping a few games, you just had to get this one. And let's be honest, Brooke Lopez, we should probably start with this man. 24 points, 10 rebounds, and a career-high nine blocks. What a season this man is having. And and his blocks and his offense, especially over the last month or so here, it's been extraordinary to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the upside, we, we heard Giannis was going to miss this game. He had been listed as probable, then uh, gets ruled out with, with hand soreness, had a wrap on the hand, so... Again, we'll, we can leave the speculation on on what that really means. I, I still feel like he's probably playing on Saturday night against Golden State. Um, feels like they kind of figured they could steal a a couple, stack a couple off a couple uh, rest days here with these last couple games. Um, so, uh, but with Giannis out, I mean, this is the upside, right? And we talk about the depth, um, you know, of this team and the fact that like they're pretty stacked in ways that they haven't been in recent years. Uh, in terms of their ability to, to again, play the next man up game. And, you know, you, there's no replacing Giannis Zetokounmpo, but uh, with Brooke and Bobby Portis tonight, we saw those guys can get the job, especially against a hmm. team like Brooklyn, which, uh, you know, was in this, had a very weird night in the sense that they were already missing a number of guys. Um, no Spencer Dinwiddie, no Nick Claxton, uh, no Cam Johnson, among others. And then, 
basically after uh, the the Nets got up to a 13 to five start, the Bucks going a 19 0 run, you know, raining threes all of the first half. They were 14 out of 32 from three in the first half. Nets were just five out of 18. And uh, I guess there was some discussion about possibly resting Mikel Bridges anyway. And then basically Jacques Vaughn to start the second half says like, eh, eh, let's just let the, the young guys run this one. And I, did they say, did we hear, I believe they had 98 bench points, which is a little bit of an asterisk considering that he just basically stopped playing his starters halfway through the game. But, um, but thankfully, you know, Bobby was huge in the first half and then, uh, I, I thought it was critical down the stretch because the Bucks realized, oh, by the way, you know, they're putting Yuta Watanabe or, you know, some other wing on him and Bobby can go to work in the post against guys like that. And Bobby's also, I think, just generally like, you know, we saw a fair bit of zone from the Nets tonight. That was one of the ways they kind of kind of got them back into it defensively. And Bobby's, I think, just really useful against zones because if you can get him a catch around the foul line, he's got that great in-between game. And, um, you know, so Bobby, I think, offensively was was terrific tonight. Uh, did a lot of that damage in the first half. What do you have? Finished 26, I think about 18, 19 of those came in the first half. But, but popped back up again late uh, for some crucial buckets. But as you said, I mean, Brooke Lopez um, – in many ways is like continues to be kind of the story of the season for me. Right. I mean, there's obviously this team has had a number of different, you know, guys step up in different ways. You know, you start with the honest, the MVP candidate uh, and what he does, obviously drew holiday, the all-star season, such a crucial um, kind of foundational piece night to night, the consistency that drew has brought pretty subdued tonight. Just didn't take many shots tonight, but Brooke Lopez, uh, Again, the two-way impact was was just incredible. Uh, the nine blocks, you know, including a couple very big ones late, and basically the game ceiling block for his ninth uh, was was awesome. Got that tenth rebound right on the like the last play uh, that the Nets had, and I, it seemed like Giannis was joking joking with him immediately as he came off the floor. I don't know if there was some you know tenth rebound at the end of game uh, at the end of the game joking going on there, given Giannis's. Uh, <laughs> fake 10th rebound uh, last, last Sunday in, uh, in Washington. But, uh, but he was obviously just, you know, huge on both ends. And I mean, it's just remarkable. I mean, we've kind of run out of, you know, sort of praise and superlatives for, for what Brooke has done this year. Uh, but hopefully again, I mean, he's uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm sure people sometimes feel torn trying to figure out who's the Bucks' best defensive player. They've got three guys that all could potentially make first team, all defense. Uh, for me, I think Brooke is still the story defensively, just the rim protection, the consistency that he's provided from a defensive standpoint, just dominating the paint and getting the Bucks back to to what they have been in the past. And then on top of that, I think, you know, we talk about the the change in philosophy from a defensive standpoint, you know, not helping off three-point shooters as much this year and how that's been so crucial to turning the Bucks back into that number one type defense that they were in the first couple of years of the Bud era. And again, three point defense, you say, like, Oh, well that's, you know, perimeter guys doing their job. Well, no, but you can't do that unless you can trust Brooke Lopez and Giannis mm-hmm. to protect the rim and, and be guys that you can leave on an Island and basically funnel guys to them and say, all right, Brooke, go seal off the rim for us and uh, keep the ball in play. And, you know, we'll get running the other way uh, off of the amazing work that you do at the rim. So, yeah, I mean, again, just from a regular season standpoint, you know, it's uh, you've got a lot of competition for best storylines in a year when the Bucks have, you know, obviously had a tremendous regular season so far. Knock on wood, they stay healthy and 
kind of keep this going. And um, again, what do they have left? 16 games left. I mean, three, three losses up um, in, uh, in the standings on, on Brooklyn with only 16 games left. And you've got this, this kind of tough road trip coming up. And then you do have one more game against Boston at home. You know, again, just kind of hold serve here. And if you can win that game against Boston, obviously you'll, you will definitely be in the driver's seat for, for the number one overall seed. And, um, you know, just the luxury that Bud and the Bucks have is that they can rest somebody like Giannis, who's uh, absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, tonight, not the same convincing performance we saw uh, on Tuesday in Orlando, for sure. Chris Middleton really struggled offensively, at least from a shooting perspective. Uh, but this is the upside. You've got a bunch of guys that can make shots. And obviously the shooting dried up a fair bit in the second half, but, you know, no shortage of, of complimentary guys stepping up and making shots, uh, whether it was Bobby, Brooke, uh, Grayson Allen, 19 points, you know, Grayson Allen, again, I think you said it the other day, Kane, thank God they didn't have to give up Grayson Allen in the, in the Jay Crowder trade that that was a big win on the margins from a roster construction standpoint. And, you know, who knows what we'll get from Grayson in the playoffs, but um, he's just sort of continued to, to make plays and hit shots and be a guy that again, you feel good about playing in, in crucial minutes. Yeah, he was pretty good tonight, as you pointed to the uh, the 19 points there. He also had seven rebounds, a couple assists, and one very aggressive butt tap to Cam Thomas after he copped an elbow right to the jaw. <laughs> he was very aggressive. When he turned around walking towards Cam Thomas, I didn't know what he was going to do, but then he just settled for the butt tap, uh, which is was pretty aggressive stuff, but uh, there's worse things that he could have done. So I, I thought Grayson Allen handled that pretty well. And then I think he went down the other end of the floor and knocked down a three or at least put a shot up as well. So Grayson has been great. I have got something else that I want to ask you about Brook Lopez though. And uh, we can get into more stuff from this game, individual performances. And then probably as we are at the end of the week, look at this road trip, pretty serious stuff with the Warriors, the Suns, the Kings coming up. So we've got some fun basketball to look ahead to as well. But this show, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And uh, as we know, uh, getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing as well. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. That's certainly the, the case for me. Sometimes you, I don't know what I'm thinking or what I'm doing. So BetterHelp has been, uh, it can be very, very helpful. And BetterHelp connects you with the licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are in life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. So towards the back end of this game, Frank, I was just looking at some stats for Brook Lopez and kind of looking at where he was at prime Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets style in terms of he was really a guy that got you 20 and 8 a night. He did that basically for a number of seasons there. But he is 34 now, coming off back surgery. He's been in the league since 2009. But when you consider the defensive stuff and just even 
on a per minute basis, total scoring, raw scoring, whatever it is, he's up over 15 points per game. He's had, I this is just me guessing, but I think he's had probably more 20 point games in this regular season than he's had in any other regular season since coming to Milwaukee. He's highest scoring average since 2017 when he was still with Brooklyn. I would have to probably talk to people that covered him in those Brooklyn days and are now watching him. But it has to be at least the possibility that this is the best he's ever played across the course of the season. Sorry. Sorry, I just had... Sorry, I was just getting a message. Uh, sorry. Who did you say was, was having his best, the best he's played across the season? Well, let's hope the listeners are listening more intently than uh, my co-host here on this post-game podcast. Brooke Lopez, is he playing uh, the best basketball he's ever played? Brooke Lopez? We just talked forever about Brooke Lopez. The best oh, you he's did. ever, the best he's ever played. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I would probably say yes, um, just because obviously in Brooklyn he was never the defensive anchor, anything resembling the player that that we see now in Milwaukee. Um, and I think his overall offensive game, this is the best version of his offensive game that we've seen in Milwaukee. So uh, I, I, yeah, I would probably say, yes, this probably is the, the best version of Brooke Lopez. This is, you know, kind of close to, you know, and, and again, I, I don't want to understate how good he was in his first year or two in particular in Milwaukee, especially year two when the Bucks were just utterly dominant and the defense was just light years ahead of, um, which is light years ahead of, of everybody else in the league that season. Uh, so I, I, again, don't want to be kind of a victim of, of recency bias here, but yeah, I mean, this three point shooting obviously is, is the best it's been. I think he's, you know, been mixing in his, his two point game and his inside stuff more than ever. Um, and uh, I mean, what more can you say about the defense? So yeah, I think Brooke Lopez, this is probably peak, peak Brooke Lopez, apex mountain Brooke Lopez. <laughs> If we're going to turn it into a Bill Simmons, uh, Bill Simmons version of, of this type of topic. Yeah, I think that's Ape, a, apex a, apex splash mountain is what it is. I think I just think it's remarkable. They have spoke a lot about the fact that he was obviously carrying this back stuff for a, a long, long period throughout his career. So, you know, he's obviously feeling pretty good from a physical standpoint. Uh, at the moment, you mentioned the three-point shooting. At one point in the first half, the Bucks were honestly on pace to attempt about 100 threes in this game. It felt like there was a stretch of about 15 to 20 possessions where almost every single shot was coming from three. Jay Crowder is interesting. We spoke about his minutes last time me and you caught up and his minutes were down on the back-to-back. Obviously, he scored 15 points last time out, knocked down a couple of threes in this game, had the 11 rebounds. Defensively, have you seen anything? And it's tough tonight because you're playing a team that you know is made up of of guys that haven't played a lot of basketball. But he defends in a different way, and I think he's even tonight he had some impactful strips. He just gets his body in a way. He's obviously got strong hands. We keep talking about the depth of this team, but it's going to be fascinating when everyone is back there how they manage the minutes. But as Jay Crowder, we have to remember he's still in a ramp up period. Have you seen anything in these last couple of games where he has played a little bit more um, that stands out to you with Jay Crowder? I mean, he definitely doesn't look like a guy that has been sitting, you know, <laughs> working out and not playing NBA basketball for, you know, eight months or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, so I, I think, you know, he deserves a lot of credit because, I mean, we talk about players coming into camp out of shape after, you know, two months off uh, <laughs> coming into a regular season and, uh you know, he had a far longer layoff 
without any structure, right? Because it's not like he was, you know, practicing uh, with with the team or, you know, working working out with like the assistant coaches or something, right? Like he was just kind of on his own to an ex- to a large extent. Uh, so for him to kind of stay in shape, stay ready, uh, obviously he's not being thrown in and being asked to play thirty minutes every night, but uh, but I think he's he's really just kind of blended in well, and I don't know. It, it's still just so bizarre to me the circumstances around how things fall apart in Phoenix. And I think he alluded to some, you know, some degree of obviously misunderstanding with Monty Williams, which I just, I know we've talked about it kind of offline. I, it's still just so weird to me. Cause it's like Monty Williams is like on the one hand, like universally respected, beloved players, coach, all that. But then like, how did he like completely lose like 40% of his starting lineup last year, like at the end of the season, like DeAndre Ayton seemed to be completely out on, on that relationship. And then uh, Crowder, obviously, especially once he, he hears from Monty Williams that he's not going to be the starter coming into the season. Um, you know, obviously he wanted to come to Milwaukee where he wasn't going to start. So it's not like that was the be all end all for him. So just, yeah, just a weird, weird stuff in Phoenix. Right. I, they were they were like I don't know if they any teams ever had as as bad of vibes at a media day as the Suns had at at their last media day when obviously Crowder wasn't there, um, but just a you know just very weird obviously playoff exit and summer for the for the Phoenix Suns and thankfully uh, you know the Suns loss hopefully will be the Bucks gain in terms of bringing Jay Crowder into the fold and um, you know I think. Let me say this. I, I think the Bucks have obviously they, they've done a, a lot of switching when Crowder has been in the game, um, especially when they've played smaller with him. You know, principally you see that more of that when when Giannis is playing because obviously then you can switch kind of everything. But um, but I, it's, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know how that ultimately works out. You know, at, at the highest levels in the playoffs. I don't think he's a guy that can really defend effectively one V one against like primary ball handlers. Like, you know, let's just say this. I don't want him being switched on to, you know, James Harden, certainly not a, a super fast guy like Tyrese Maxey, but I don't know if anybody can, can keep up with Tyrese Maxey, but, um, but I think there's limitations probably to his switchability, which, you know, I think we'll see how big of a deal that is in the playoffs, but overall, uh, you know, the, 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 the kind of ruggedness, the savvy, uh, that's obviously just, you know, a, a very important skill set to have uh, in the playoffs. I think certainly uh, against a team like Boston, you know, his, his size and, and, uh, and, you know, kind of positional versatility will probably match up pretty well. Cause obviously Boston is a team that, that, you know, even the guards basically play like wings. So, uh, so we'll see. I mean, you know, ex- excited obviously to have him and to get him for, you know, just future draft capital, um, again, five second round picks that, that ain't nothing. You can use that for other stuff, but to get him without having to give up, uh, you know, a rotation player, a guy that you would have wanted to have for, for the playoffs is, uh, I mean, that's, that's like, that's an obvious win. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't want to stray too far from, you know, thinking about this season, the Bucks have obviously a golden opportunity to win a championship this year, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to make some decisions this summer, right? I mean, Chris, the player option, that's looking, I don't, I don't know where, what direction that is going to go. Right. Because certainly $40 million seems like a lot for kind of Chris Middleton that we haven't seen kind of fully ramped up and who's been inconsistent, looks great on Tuesday tonight, you know, just missing shots left and right. Did have seven assists and two turnovers. Although one of those turnovers, I thought that, you know, it's kind of funny, right? Like I think sometimes people, um, 
you know, over index on missed shots and kind of overlook kind of other stuff that guys do. And especially with Chris, obviously, offensively, obviously his playmaking, um, you know, is, is a kind of very big part of his game. Uh, but he had that one pass late in the last like, minutes where he just like whipped the ball to the middle of the court when there was like no opening to do it. And it was a turnover. I was like, Oh man, Chris, not the time for one of these adventurous passes. You know, he also saw the flip side of that. He had a touchdown pass to, to Bobby Portis. <laughs> Uh, earlier in the game and you know obviously his passing is is one of his huge uh you know kind of positives and we saw that especially in the in the Tuesday game when he had those 11 assists and just I mean I, I wasn't on the post game pod but just the, the the chemistry with Brooke I mean was just on full display like the, the passing uh clinic he put on there was just something to watch but you know unfortunately tonight I mean just just kind of you know, hit an early three but it kind of just wasn't getting many shots didn't really shoot much at all in the first half and then in the second half felt like he was kind of like all right you know kind of got this game in hand. I'm going to get, try to get to my spots, get some shots up, but just never, never found much of a rhythm. And, you know, obviously he takes a lot of shots where they're hard for NBA players, but Chris Middleton tends to make a lot of those kind of mid range tough types of shots. And uh, it just wasn't happening for him today. Did have one um, kind of important bucket late driving to the basket, but then, uh, you know, had that turnover, had a couple other misses. So, you know, it was the weird, a weird situation where I actually was like, man, I hope Chris doesn't have the ball in his hands in the last couple minutes, which is not a feeling I normally have, right? We've, we've seen what he can do late in the game, his passing, decision-making, obviously his ability to hit shots um, at all three levels. But, uh, but yeah, not, definitely not a, a, you know, a, a night to write home about for Chris. But, you know, you get through it, he's right up, right out almost 30, 30 minutes again. So just from a ramp-up perspective, obviously – Good to see that continue to happen. But, you know, again, obviously the shot making, that's that's what makes Chris Middleton special. And the three-point shooting really has not been there at all since he's returned, um, which is a bit odd. But, you know, strangely enough, the two-point shooting, the free throws, the free throw throw rate, like that's been there. So that's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a weird, a weird situation where some of the things that you might think he wouldn't have because, you know, he wouldn't be as in shape or his athleticism may not be back yet. Um, those things have been there, uh, but then the, the, just the, the kind of rhythm on the three point shot just has not. So hopefully that comes, I'm I'm going to bet that Chris Milton is not going to shoot, you know, 28, 29% for an extended period. Um, but certainly tonight felt like he dodged a little bit of a bullet with Chris having a, a very off night shooting, like a, a playoff Drew Holiday esque shooting performance five on a 19, which we're not used to seeing from Chris. So, um, so yeah, but you, you you banked a win. Now hopefully uh, you get a better version of Chris here on this road trip because you're going to have some tougher opponents. All right, let's head into the weekend by looking at that road trip with a standings check-in as the game ends tonight and the Bucks pick up that win and improve to 48 and 18. But first, let's talk about our friends at FanDuel because the uh, runway into the postseason is absolutely here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained and even potentially defensive player of the year. And as I look at it right now, Brooke Lopez is equal favorite, and they are just going by the odds. They are the only two that can win this. Brooke Lopez and Jaron Jackson Jr., both plus 115. Bam Adebayo all the way down in third at plus 1,000. So, Brooke Lopez and Jaron Jackson Jr., it could gun town to those two in the Defensive Player of the Year. Who would have thought? Uh, but go to fanduel.com and you can check that out. 
So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Frank, hopefully I've got your attention loud and clear because I'm about to ask you a very, very challenging question. Is it about Brook Lopez? Who's it about? Do you think if we go back to when Brook Lopez had his crit? No, uh, let's talk about the NBA standings. Uh, the Bucks right now, as I mentioned, 48 and 18. So two and a half games clear of the Celtics. As you mentioned, three games in the loss column. The Bucks have 16 games to go, but it is going to be challenging. They've got a couple of trips. They've got to go out and play Western Conference teams. They've got the Celtics, they've got the Sixers. So there is some really, really tough games down the stretch here. Starting with this game against Golden State on the weekend, then you get the Suns and the Kings. What, uh, how are you, and by the way, this is obviously just all guesswork because I kind of sit in the same boat as you with Giannis. He certainly didn't strike me as a man that looked too concerned or too bothered in any of the social videos or any of the stuff he was doing on the bench, despite the fact it looked like at least a decently heavy wrap on his hands. But especially with the back-to-back with Phoenix and the Kings, what, what do you actually sense or what do you suspect the Bucks are going to try and do here? We've discussed the difference between the first seed and the two seed. They also currently have a two-game gap on the Nuggets for the best record overall in the NBA, which we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that also could mean some stuff down the road. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a number of, of back-to-backs. I, I know that they don't have back-to-back here in the next couple of games. Um, I think it will obviously be interesting to see just um, how much they stretch themselves, uh, particular with, with Giannis as part of the guy I'm, I'm most interested in. I, I, don't, I don't really think Chris Middleton, I, I, I don't have a real strong expectation that Chris Middleton's going to play in back-to-backs. And to be honest, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, he needs to get up to mid thirties at some point here to kind of prove that he can get up to that level of minute load in individual games, but cause you're going to have to do that in the playoffs, but I mean, there aren't back-to-backs in the playoffs. So in the sense of like, okay, can he start playing back-to-backs? I mean, he doesn't really have to do that during the regular season. And again, unless there's like some desperation um, to, to get the, f- the first seed. And to be clear, I'm definitely in the camp of like, Hey, like if you need to, put a little more effort into getting the number one seed, I would do that. Right. And I think, you know, you and Camille talked about the other day. Um, yes. Home court uh, against every, every, everybody would be very nice. We know that this team can win playoff series without that. We also know, I mean, thinking back to, to when they went down Oh two to the nets, I think I trotted out that stat, which at the time was, would you remember what it was? It was like, you know, of teams that go down Oh two, like, what was it, like 12% or something like that, <laughs> something like mm. that, like actually win a series. Like that ain't the way to win a series guys. It's not by going down O2. It's not by, you know, being a road team, you know, every playoff round or something like that. Right. Like that. Do we you, actually you, know, Frank, how many teams have done that twice in one postseason? I, I don't offhand. I'm going to go ahead and say, um, if any other teams have done it, it's probably been, you know, uh, no more than, than a couple, my guess. Um, cause it's just not a, not an easy way, not an easy way to live. Not good for stress um, levels. No, not good for stress levels. Um, so I think, you know, again, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, um, you know, playing your full roster on back to backs the rest of the way. Um, but like the last weekend of the season, right. The last three, four days of the season, especially now where, 
you have the whole playing tournament. So it's not like you're going to go from, um, you know, final game of a regular season on a Sunday to having to play a playoff game like two, three days later, right? I mean, you're going to have time off um, to, to kind of recharge guys. So resting guys last weekend of the season is really more about just like risk, risk management, injury prevention type stuff. So that's, that's where ultimately the risk is, right? That, you know, a guy turns an ankle or gets a muscle injury in the last game of the season. Obviously you don't want that. And Hey, if they can, you know, sew things up here, win a bunch of these games, beat the Sixers and Celtics um, to give themselves that cushion. Hey, if they could figure out a way to beat the nuggets on the second night of a back-to-back in Denver, that would be a pretty awesome thing to, to get home court through the finals as well. But I'm really thinking of it really more from the East. Um, and it's two things, right? It's yes. Having home court against Boston and, Again, people can say, well, they had, you know, they had a chance to close out the Celtics in six. It's true, right? I mean, weirdly, the Bucks weren't that good in the in the at home in those games in that series, and they won, you know, a couple of games on the road. But you know, look at look at the Bucks record, right? Look at the Bucks record this season. I think they are, uh, I think they're what second second best home team, I believe, in the league behind uh, Denver. They've been a good road team, but if you can play another home game play another home game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if it's just a matter of kind of locking in and taking the last month of the season seriously, again, what does that really mean? Well, really try guys don't have any, you know, of course, yes, we want them to try and not mail in any games here in the last month of the season. Uh, but I think really the, the big difference compared to, you know, previous years is that I think with the exception of really probably the first two years, um, I do think this is, definitely the, the the deepest of the last three seasons in terms of how deep the team is and just the fact that they can afford to, you know, sit at Chris Middleton because, again, Joe Ingles is not Chris Middleton, but, you know, he does some of the playmaking and three-point shooting that you typically don't get from a small forward. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, Brooke, those guys have been the rocks, so hopefully those guys continue to be able to play night in and night out. And with Giannis, hopefully you don't have to manage his injuries too much. So, um, I think getting the extra home game against Boston would be great. Um, I also just think not having to play um, Philly or Boston in the second round would be a plus. And, I, and I'm actually somebody who, I mean, I respect, especially the Cavs a lot. I think they're really talented. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if they, again, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think they're better than Philly or Boston or anything like that. But is there a scenario where I think they could beat the Bucks in a playoff series? It could happen, you know. I would certainly favor the Bucks pretty clearly in a series like that. But, um, but you know, I would I would rather have that as the bracket. And can the South Cavs even beat the Knicks? I don't know, right? I mean, I think that's another question if if those teams end up being the four or five. So, uh, so yeah, I'd say, hey man, let's get greedy, get the one seed. Um, whatever chance Giannis has at making a run at the MVP certainly would be helped significantly by being the one seed in the East and potentially the, having the best record in the league. So, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats uh, in this case. Sianis is, you know, awards case. It helps Brooke Lopez's defensive player of the year case. Certainly tonight, love to see this type of, you know, big statistical night with the blocks because I think it does sort of shine a light on Brooke again and what he has meant to this team defensively and how good he's been. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's, let's get the one seed, man. Like, uh, it's cool. It's cool being the three seed and winning a bunch of series on, you know, winning two series on the road. But, uh, but I, I'd rather kind of make, try to make my life a little bit easier. 
Uh, the only plus for having the road stuff, so if the Bucks did somehow slip up, the good news is you get to go into game one and say, no pressure, man, free hit, free hit. And when you lose, you're like, doesn't matter. It's only a road game. We're not coming home for a couple that's of true. games. So that's, that's true. Uh... Bucks notorious slow starters in playoff series. <laughs> so right. I, 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 I do think there is something to that. Um, although the irony last year uh, was that the Bucks, you know, ended up winning yeah. the first game yeah. in Boston, which was kind of probably the most shocking thing was that they – somehow won that game and, and uh, you know, kind of shocked a uh, uh, Boston team that looked a bit a bit shell-shocked and surprised by, by what they did. All right, let's get to the weekend. Before you do that, make sure you check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast. Get the scores, news, stats, info, everything from across the league, from all the local experts across the Locked On network. So check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast on your Locked On NBA feed. And as I said at the start, look, I used to not do this as much as I should, but i got no shame right now. If you haven't subscribed or liked or commented or followed or given a review or anything positive like that, then uh, stop wasting time and do it because it helps us. It's free to do, and we absolutely appreciate everyone that watches and listens to this show. Frank, uh, have a fantastic weekend, my friend. Uh, the Bucks and the Warriors, Saturday night. Hoops, that should be a good one. It's always fun when the Bucks and the Warriors... Uh, get together and play there. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, And we'll be back next week.